Here at Calvary Chapel Northeast, it's our goal to make disciples of Christ by exalting our God, equipping believers, and engaging in our community. Thanks for tuning in to this week's CCNE podcast. Today, Pastor Brennan will be teaching out of the book of 1 Corinthians. Again, we're picking up this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19. And it's here, if you recall, we are in the middle of Paul's response to another question that has come from the church in Corinth. Now, this specific question and response has been dealing with the theme of Christian liberty. And Christian liberty is really the idea that in Christ, believers... And it's not just an idea, it's a reality that believers have been freed from the law. And nothing that we do or even don't do will contribute to our salvation. That is a work that is done, it is finished, it has been accomplished by Jesus through His work on the cross. Nevertheless, as we recognize such freedoms... A believer in their efforts to share the gospel with others, to lead people to Jesus, there are certain things that can hinder that work. Now, patterns, habits, preferences, sometimes in our lives, these things can be hard to break free from. And in the case of Corinth, it could be, for example, as Paul has dealt with, it could be meat sold at the temple Uh, markets, the pagan temples, the meat that was offered to idols. Can a believer eat that meat? Should they not? There was debate over this within the church. Or what if Paul, we dealt with this last week, what if Paul making a living off of his ministry to the Corinthians? While Paul clearly establishes that it's his right as a minister of the gospel to partake of the fruit of his labor, he knows that for some in the church this is a difficult thing. For others they were on board. Thus, in both cases that we've considered so far, Paul says, look, I won't eat meat then. And I won't receive any support for the ministry that I provide. And so for Paul, the sharing of his faith was more important. He wanted nothing to hinder it. To Paul, the gospel was precious. Therefore, I asked you last week, how precious is the gospel to you? How important is your witness to the lost? This is a good thing for us to consider. Some of us, we may find that, you know, we have over the years laid down many things for the sake of the gospel, for a desire to reach other people depending on the circle that we were a part of and the influence that we had. For others, maybe you ask the question, you think, you know, I don't know that I do much. I don't know that I have much of a passion for sharing the gospel with other people. These questions, these acts of self-reflection are important for us to consider. Does the gospel have such a high place of priority in your life that you're willing to lay something else down for it? And these are hard things for us as we considered last week, but it's what we're called to. We can't escape that. And so for Paul, the gospel was everything. And we'll see in the rest of this chapter a pattern of discipline and a pattern of self-denial that serves to support such a high view of the gospel in Paul's life. 
In fact, what we're going to see here this morning is three principles that I think are important when we want to make the gospel a priority in our lives. Let's go ahead and jump in here in verse 19. We considered this verse last week. It's sort of a connecting verse here. And Paul says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. You see, Paul was free. Based off of this freedom in Christ, he was free to make himself a servant to all. This is the pattern of Jesus. So precious to Paul was the gospel and the desire to reach others that he was willing to lay down his rights so that others would not stumble and potentially turn from Jesus. And look, Paul here, Paul did not want to be a stumbling block. Listen, he wanted to be a stepping stone. He wanted his life to serve as something that would would form a foundation by which others could make their way closer to Jesus. And a lot of us, we're resistant to being used that way. We don't necessarily want to be a stumbling block, but we also don't like to be a stepping stone. But Paul's motivation of reaching more overwhelmed such resistance. So then in verse 20 and following, he says, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law. Not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Here's principle number one for us this morning. We must meet people right where they are and know them. We must meet people right where they are and know them. British missionary to India, Leslie Newbigin, coined the term missionary encounter. And this term did not come as a result of his work in India, but more so his observations upon returning to England after decades away. What Newbigin found when he returned from his years-long missionary journey was that what was once a vibrant Christian culture in England was now very secular and polarized. The issue he found was that in the midst of cultural change, the church just kept on going, business as usual, never seeking to meet the changing culture where it was with the timeless message of the gospel. They assumed if we just keep plugging along, everything will remain the same. And this speaks in many respects into our own culture today. Whereas Stephen Um writes, we have a healthy contextual approach that neither assimilates to the host culture nor underadapts from its home culture. What Stephen is communicating here is we must, while maintaining who we are, immerse ourselves with others and learn what's important to them so that we can speak the truth of the gospel into their lives. For believers today to reach a culture, we must understand the culture. We must strive, and hear me carefully on this, to immerse ourselves in that culture without losing ourselves. Listen, I was considering this this past week with uh, my 
missions class, the Bible class that I teach, where we were talking about, look, as we're seeking to go out and share the gospel, and some of these things haven't changed entirely, but it's certainly much more prevalent today. If you know anything about our culture today and the sort of anything goes mentality, if you approach somebody and you seek to share with them the fact that they need Jesus because they are sinners, how do they respond to that? Well, for a culture who says, there's no sin, there's no wrong, don't come and tell me I've done anything wrong. I, what's wrong, anyhow? What's right? It's all relative. I can do what I want. I can have it my way. I can do things the way that I want to do them. Whatever feels right to me, that's what I can do. Right? These, are a big, these are themes that are very much prevalent within our culture today. And so does it mean that they're not a sinner in need of repentance in order to be be brought into a right relationship with God? No, that truth absolutely exists. But what we need to understand is, why are you living your life the way that you are? Why are you making the decisions that you are? Is it that you're seeking after an identity because nothing in life seems to satisfy? That you, you keep putting your hope and your effort and your energies into all these different things that are, that are in your mind going to make you feel fulfilled and, and suddenly whole and, and you just keep going from one thing to the other to the other? Right? We could, we could kind of go through this all day long. What we have to understand is what is our culture motivated by? Why are they making the decisions that they are? And so what Paul is saying here is he's saying, look, there's different people that he is sharing the gospel with, different people that he's witnessing to, different people that he's ministering to, and in every case he's seeking to sort of become a part of them. We have a God who has met us where we are, where we were. Will we do the same for others around us? Will we meet them where they are or demand that they meet us on our terms? Now listen, all things to all men does not mean that Paul compromised himself, nor should we. As we seek to immerse ourselves in a culture, it doesn't mean that we begin to adopt the practices of that culture. And nor is it that, that, that Paul accommodated or adjusted the gospel for all people that, that he, or that he engaged in sinful behavior, but rather that he sought to understand again what motivated people what people were dealing with. He became an insider, if you will, in every culture. And so he, not unlike what he's discussing here with the church in Corinth, he identified areas that, uh, or recognized where do we need to sort of draw a line and, and, and where are we able to engage in something without issue. For example, amongst the Jews, Paul would often, we see this in Scripture, he would continue to adhere to certain purification rituals which he knew were unnecessary for Christians, but would make a way for him to have relationship with the Jews. He had Timothy circumcised, knowing, Timothy, this isn't going to do anything for you spiritually, but it's going to put you in a position where you're respected amongst the people. Or with the Gentiles, with the Gentiles, he forsook the Levitical law so as not to put some unnecessary burden on those who were coming to Christ. Paul recognizing that the law, after all, and we'll consider this further in our study in a few weeks when we make our way to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, the law was ultimately designed to foster love. The law, listen, the law is God's standard that as Pastor Stephen Um writes, sets the necessary social conditions for everyone to flourish, for there to be justice and equity, apart from which there can be no real love. 
So for the Jews, unfortunately, the law became all, and there was no love. For the Greeks, it became about freedom from the law, and, and anything goes, but that's not love either. Does, does that comparison sound familiar? <laughs> right? And so we even see today, many within the church today talk of love and say, follow these rules. And many outside the church talk of love, but only if it's anything goes exactly right. Even if it means hurting someone. So for those seeking to preserve, and hopefully this is us, for those seeking to preserve and to prioritize the gospel, do we know how to reach those who are lost? Only if we're willing to get to know them and engage with them. Sometimes that can be done rather quickly. I'm a fan of contact evangelism, meeting somebody and sharing the gospel with them. But even in that setting, there must be a willingness to seek to ask them questions, to get to know them, to have conversation with them. Does it surprise you at all that Satan has fostered so much division in our culture today to where such few people will even speak with one another? What do you think that's doing? For the sake of sharing the gospel. You see, engagement is the very nature of the gospel. Verse 23, Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Paul says, I do this. These things he's just described, he says, I do this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in it with you. The gospel itself, which is God's plan of salvation from the very beginning, tells the story of a God who wants to be with you. Who because of sin is separated from us, and so the gospel is His pursuit of sharing life with us once again. His salvation plan culminates in His Son Jesus meeting us right where we are, understanding us fully, sharing in life with us, and giving Himself for us. Friends, the example of Jesus is not simply the example of look what He did for you, but also, and now follow me in this pattern. Now again, this is hard. This is hard to do. Why do it? Look at verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. He says, do you not know? Here he's looking to enlighten them on something. I want you to understand something, he says. And this gives us principle number two this morning. We must know the race we're running. We must know the race we are running. We must have a heavenly perspective. Look, if we want to have an effective witness, not only do we need to meet people right where they are and know people, but we must understand the race that we're in. We must have a heavenly perspective. Look, Paul had a different perspective. And he had a different perspective, and some people might be like, amen, he had a different perspective. He was a different kind of guy. And so he had a different perspective for a variety of reasons, but one major perspective, I believe, in changing, and maybe not even changing, but enhancing Paul's 
understanding was in Acts chapter 14. We have the description of an event where Paul was sharing the gospel and it didn't go so well. In fact, it went so poorly, at least from the perspective, no doubt, of those who were there with them, that all the people decided to stone Paul. And so they stoned him, and some suggest that he was, in fact, not just left for dead, but really dead. They stoned him, they drug him out of the city, and they leave him there. Now, we don't get this, we don't get the full description right there in Acts 14, but what Paul later does is he tells of how in this moment he was given a vision of heaven. Now he says whether he was there bodily, whether he was there in spirit, it's kind of this unique way where Paul's like, look, I don't know exactly what happened, but I saw heaven. I got a glimpse of heaven. And do you think he was ever the same? No. It sought to fuel his effort and energy towards telling others about Jesus, all that more. What do you think would happen to you if you got a glimpse of glory? If, if suddenly you had this, my goodness, let's think about this for a second. If some of you get a brochure for a vacation you're going on and you're like, whoa, this place is awesome. You're renting a sweet Airbnb down on the coast somewhere, right? And it's one of those big houses that's got an elevator in it and a pool. And a pool that looks like it doesn't have an edge on it, right? Like it just goes forever. And you're thinking, this is the stuff you see on TV. And I'm going to go stay there. Would you be excited? But you'd be like, well, I can't wait to go on this trip. That's just a stinking trip. It's just a few days. you got to leave that too, by the way. <laughs> right? You're going to go and you're going, Friday's coming. i got to go home. we got to check out because this isn't actually our house. I convinced myself for a little while this was mine. Felt pretty good about it. But now we got to leave. Right? And you get home and you're like, oh, well, thank you, Lord. Okay. Right? So, none of you have been through that. It's just only me, huh? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I'll take that and repent. Um, <laughs> Look, what if you got a vision of your eternal state? What if you got a vision of, of, of what Scripture says, we can't even comprehend it? Paul himself said, look, I can't, I can't describe it to you. But he said, but it's changed everything about how I do everything from here on out. What a blessing to be able to go, oh no, I see it now. <laughs> This is not it, guys. This isn't it. This is not our home. There is one. There is one where we will be forever. And it is amazing. And so he had perspective. He understood now. He's like, okay, I know the race that I'm running now. To what degree he was or wasn't living for the kingdom before, Paul now, he knew what race he was running. Look, do you know what race you're running? I mean, be willing maybe from time to time to evaluate your day-to-day -day and to ask yourself, man, what race am I running? You know, a lot of people, what, the race that they're running is called a 401k and a retirement date. And, and listen, I'm not saying don't be good stewards, don't plan and prepare. No, 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 not at all. God honors that. But for some people, it's like, that's okay, that, that's it. That's my motivation. That's the end. That's not, what, that's not the race that we're on. I mean, evaluate this in your own life. You're tired. You're pushing yourself. Effort, energy, sacrifice. 
And what if you realize suddenly, man, I'm not even running the right race. I'm on the wrong course. I'm going the wrong way. And so you see here, we we get this a little bit. Even if you're not a runner, we're familiar enough in our own culture here, especially with competition, we can kind of track with this, right? But this running language was especially familiar to the Corinthians. It made sense to them because in Corinth, they had what was called the Isthmian Games. They're kind of like the Olympics. They were a really big deal. And so Paul here, look, he knew their culture. He knew how to speak into their lives. He knew the things that they were familiar with. And he said, oh, this is... This is going to connect, right? And so he understands then their culture, what would bring understanding, and he says to them, you know that when one is running a race, only one person wins. Are you running in that way? Are you running that you're going to finish well? He says, so run in such a way that you win. Run that you may obtain it. But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing about our heavenly race, and this is really a good thing. You are not competing against everyone else. You're not competing against everyone else. You know who you're competing with? Yourself. Listen, and if you don't think this is true, all we have to do is pay attention to what the enemy does to look at how the enemy lies and deceives and manipulates. And, and we can know then what the answer is because what a trap the enemy lays for us, this trap of comparison. So many people, so many of you, if not even the vast majority of us here this morning, regularly fall into the trap of comparison. What is everybody else doing? What has everybody else achieved? What does everyone else have how is everyone else doing it? How much better is everybody else? And, and look, this is such a trap because God never asks us to compare ourselves in that way. No, what He says is He says, look, I've given each of you something. And for each of you, it's something different. Are you going to be faithful with what you've been given? Listen, on this Mother's Day, moms, I prayed about this. Moms especially, you need to hear this, Okay? Look, I can say with confidence this morning, in, in, in part because you're here, but you're a good mom. And don't let what you see on social media tell you otherwise. Guys, so much of it is just lies. I could absolutely go off on social media for a while, and I know it wouldn't necessarily be productive, right? But guys, it's so concerning how many of us are so affected by what we're seeing on social media. In a moment, you pick up that phone in the morning, you start looking at social media, your day can be derailed within minutes. As somebody on there who's quite frankly looking for some sort of attention and looking for affirmation decides that they need to tell you everything that they've done since 4 a.m. Look, I accomplished three weeks worth of tasks by 6 a.m. Everybody heart me. And, and listen, I'm not, I know it sounds like I'm making fun of, but that's the reality behind it. And then the next person that sees it, you feel compelled to just give an attaboy, but you also then feel like, man, I've done nothing. And oh, I'm such a loser. I'm, so way, I'm way behind, or I'm this or I'm that. You know, wouldn't it be an awesome thing? Maybe we could try this little social thing for a moment amongst our fellowship. What if for the next week, if those of you who are on social media 
committed to not, and I don't, I don't see any of your social media, okay, by the way. I'm not on social media. I'm not like regularly looking for stuff on social media. So I, I can just say this. What if everybody committed to, I'm not going to post one thing about me, myself, my family. I'm not going to put anything out there that sort of shows like, here's what we're doing. The only thing I'm going to do is highlight other people. I'm so proud of so-and-so for what they did. I'm praying for this situation, right? Whatever it is, focus it on other people. What if everybody was doing that? And then you were starting to maybe get some sort of like genuine affirmation, like, man, this person. And here's the thing. If you're like, well, I don't know really what that person did today or even last week, well, then they're not really like your closest friend. So don't worry about it. Just the people who you know, right? I don't know, maybe it's a stupid idea. But I think I, I come back to this stuff and I think to myself, man, we're all running a race. And, and when it comes time for us to stand before that judgment seat, which, by the way, for a believer is a different one, praise God. You just, it's just you standing there. And you don't get to be like, well, hey, you know, let's scroll through my feed here. It, it's it's going to be the Lord who has the ability to look right in your life and in your heart. And to say, here's what, here's, here's what you did for me and for the gospel. And so we're running, we're running against ourselves. And you know, running against yourself can sometimes be hard. For those of you who do run, you know a lot of times you'll get like better time if you're running with somebody else because you kind of push each other, right? And so here's here's the thing that we have to understand about when you're running your own race is in order to run it. Well, you got to give it your all. You got to lay it all out there. Because you don't have anybody else to sort of be like, well, I guess I'm doing okay. I'm maybe not super fast right now, but I'm faster than them. No, you don't get to play that game. You're like, man, I just got to go. If you'll indulge me for one minute, I don't usually do this, but here's an opportunity for me to say I'm proud of somebody else. Some of you have had the opportunity to meet my brother before. Many of you have not. He lives down in South Florida. My brother's one of those guys that sometimes, well, you do read about him in the newspaper. You just don't see his name, okay? So we'll just leave it at that. He does work that I think is really awesome and it's really important for our country. And I love the opportunity where I get to tell him, hey, brother, I'm proud of you for a great job with this. And he's part of this special team, and he's getting to be a bit older now, so he's starting to push. He's, don't be offended, okay? He's, so he's pushing 50. And, and listen, when you're doing really physical stuff, that you can feel 50, right, okay? And so he's, he's often on this team with guys that are a lot younger than him. And they have to try out for this team on a regular basis. They've got to meet certain standards, right? And he's like, man, I don't want to give it up yet. But he's like, my body is hurting. And so he was actually hurt the last time that they had to go through the whole thing. And so they said, we're going to give you a pass, but you have, to, you have to qualify within a month for this thing. So he's like, okay, I'll get it back on it. So he shows up out there that day, and they said, look, you, you're running by yourself. And he's like, no way. He's like, how can I not be running with the rest of the team? I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. I'm the oldest guy on this team. He's running against guys that are in their mid-20s. He says, okay. And he said, I just got to go. And he, said, he told me, he said, Brennan, he goes, when I got done with that thing, he said, I literally thought I was going to die. He said, I just keeled over and laid there, and I couldn't get up for a really long time. He ran the best time on the entire team. He qualified so much better than everybody else. What a picture that is. Because when he got out there, all he could say was, this is my race today. It's, only, it's about me. 
guys, that's our walk with the Lord in many respects. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not discounting there's community, there's fellowship. Paul says, run. Focus on the important things. Are you running in a way where you'll obtain it? Verse 25 and 26. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus. Not with uncertainty. Thus I fight. Not as one who beats the air. Paul is saying, look, in the heavenly race, he says, there is a crown. There is a crown. There are rewards for us. We don't exactly understand what all of that is, but we read about it in Scripture. Paul is not suggesting here, by the way, that we won't get into heaven if we don't run hard enough. That work is finished. So hear me for the second time this morning. That work is finished. But he is saying there are rewards for those who faithfully run. So if people work hard in this life, for stuff that fades away, that you can't take with you? How much more should we work for something that lasts for eternity? So this is heavenly perspective, right? This is about understanding what's truly important. So Paul says here, then he goes, I'm not training as one who beats the air. This is his way of saying, I'm not just shadow boxing right now. I'm not just in the gym working on form. He's saying, this is the real thing. I'm going after it. And I want you guys to go after it too. So verse 27, so I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself, should become disqualified principle number three our final principle this morning we must foster spiritual disciplines we must this is essential some of you you hear the word discipline and you're like i hate that word right and i get it because like everything we've discussed it's kind of hard but jesus doesn't call us to things that are easy right he calls us Sometimes they're very difficult things, but the awesome things, he says, I'm with you in it. I'll equip you for it. I'll empower you. The Holy Spirit is with us, in us, and upon us. It gives us everything we need for life and godliness. And so you're not alone in this. But the question becomes, do you bring the body, the old man, do you bring it into subjection? The, the original language here speaks of bringing the body under. He says, I bring myself under. That is, so then, that you put the Spirit on top. I'm going to put the old man under. I'm going to allow the Spirit to be in control. Here's the deal. Are you able to say no to the flesh? I mean, ask yourself this. Are you able to say no to the flesh? When you fast, if you fast, but note, Scripture says, when you fast, what are you doing there? You're saying no to the body. You're saying no to your body. You're saying, I am not going to feed that desire right now. Yep, my body's telling me, hungry, hungry. Sometimes other people in the room can hear it. Hey, body's talking. Everybody's always embarrassed by that, too. Like, oh, sorry. You know, like, it happens, Right? And when that happens, are you like, okay, let's do it? Or if you're fasting, are you willing to say, no, no, 
I'm not feeding that desire right now. Why do I ask you this? Because that practice, which is why I do believe it is a spiritual discipline to practice, fuels the other areas in our life where we need to say no. Because if we can practice there saying, no, I'm not, I'm not feeding that desire, we'll have success in other areas when that temptation comes and we say, no, I'm not feeding that. I'm not going to do that. It gives us practice and strengthening other areas in our life. And look, this, 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 is, this is the life. The gospel is precious and prioritized. Life is when we're willing to say no to other things and yes to Jesus. And sometimes it's really big things and other times it's the day-to-day stuff. It's the day-to-day stuff, quite frankly, that a lot of moms say, nope, I've got to say no to this because i got to do this, because I know it's important. I know it's a priority. It's, I know I'm tired, but I'm not going to press that snooze button again. I'm serious. You're like, dang, I thought I was going to get out of this one, right? Nope, not for me. <laughs> it's, or it's the, it's the hard conversation that you don't want to have, but you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. Or it's the one that you're dreaming of having, but you go, nope, not going to do that. <laughs> Or it's the, I just want to veg out. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to study. I'm going to attend service. So some of you, praise the Lord, you did it this morning. You said no to the flesh. And you came to church, first service even. And I'm confident that there's nobody who ever truly lays something down for Jesus. Not like a test, not like, mm. I'll see what this whole Jesus thing about, but no, like literally you respond to conviction in your life. You know, the Holy Spirit is saying, just lay it down. Just get it, just lay it aside. The person who genuinely does it, who says, you know what, I've prayed and I'm listening to the Holy Spirit and the Spirit told me to just lay this down and I'm gonna do it because I know it's gonna please the Lord or I know it's gonna make a difference or it's gonna make an inroad for the gospel. Nobody ever does that and then says, wish I didn't do that. They don't. There's never anybody who's come to me, and not that everybody comes to me, but who says, you know what? I prayed, I heard, I listened to the Holy Spirit, I followed through, I made a commitment for Jesus, and what a waste. No. Not when when we're really tracking that path of seeking Him. Now sometimes, you know, the Lord brings something back around, and and you're like, I don't know exactly what the Lord was doing there. I, I don't know that I ever saw the fruit of what he was asking of me, but man, it was a blessing to just be obedient to him or to practice listening to his voice and responding. And so Paul says, Paul says, I don't want to be disqualified. And, and this understanding here, because again, that can make us sound like disqualified, what does that mean? Well, he's continuing here in the athletic analogy. And in Corinth, if someone didn't win the race for whatever reason, uh, that was announced too. So it wasn't just, hey, so-and-so won, but it was, and here's everybody who didn't finish along the way. And, and he here is saying, look, I, don't, I, don't, I want to cross the finish line. I want to finish well. We all... And the worship team, you can come back up here. Listen, we all will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, believers will appear before the Bema seat of judgment and unbelievers before the great white throne. And so for believers, praise God that as we stand before that seat, 
will be seen as one who's covered by the sacrifice of Jesus, covered by the blood of the Lamb. And so in that moment, it's going to be judgment unto rewards. Were you faithful in what I gave you? And if we're faithful in a few things, right, then we'll be given much in the kingdom of heaven. And we, again, don't understand all of what that is. We can do a further study on that at another time. It's important to understand again, third time, you don't earn your salvation, but you can earn a reward. Are you working toward this? Are you being faithful with what you've been given, using it for God's glory? Here's the deal. We're called to meet people where they are, to know the race that we're running, and to be disciplined. That's an effective witness. That's what Paul was seeking to live his life for, and that's what he calls us to say, follow me in this, model me in this. This is our last Sunday service here. It's been mentioned earlier in part just to kind of say like, hey, don't come to the wrong place next week. <laughs> Go to the other building. I've not made much of it here this morning. Wednesday evening, don't miss Wednesday evening. If you want to come out and just be a part of sort of reminiscing and sharing of God's faithfulness, come on out Wednesday evening. We'll, we'll feed you at 6 and we'll worship together at 7. The only thing I have to say about our last Sunday service here this morning is really within the context of what we've considered here in 1 Corinthians 9, and that is we leave buildings behind all the time. And we thank God for his faithfulness, but we leave him behind because it's just a building. The church is what's going to a new location. And these principles we take with us. And I'm prayerful. As much as it's only four miles, as you guys well know, you go four miles and suddenly you get a little bit of a new community. And I'm praying, and I hope you pray along with me, that it gives us the opportunity to meet some new people right where they are. To meet them right where they are and for us to remember, man, we're in a special kind of race. It's not the one this world is running. It's different. And so let's be disciplined and running it well. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks this morning, Lord, for our time together. We pray, Lord, it's been pleasing to you. And that, Lord, by your Spirit, you would take these truths and work them deep into our hearts such, Lord, that we could walk in obedience to it and joyful obedience at that, Lord, following after you. Lord, help us to be a people who long to meet others, the lost, Lord, right where they are. Lord, remind us of the race that we're running, that it's towards you, Lord, and nothing else. Help us, Lord, to be disciplined, faithful with what it is you've given each of us, Lord spurring one another along in each of our individual races, Lord. Being that body, that community. Lord, do that work, Lord, in us. And in this new season, Lord, that we're venturing into, may this work be accomplished even more. Lord, we look forward to all that you're going to do, Lord, between now and when you call us home or return for us. Go before us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here at CCNE, there are so many events happening throughout the week, so make sure that you are subscribed to the weekly e-bulletin so you can be fully informed of all that we're doing. For more info, or if there are any prayer requests you'd like to share with us, be sure to visit us at ccnortheast.org.